are facing a mental health crisis, and it's more important than ever to have access to the support we need. That's why I'm grateful for BetterHelp, the largest online counseling platform in the world. BetterHelp is changing the way people get help with life challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to licensed therapists. With BetterHelp, professional counseling is available anytime, anywhere, from your smartphone, computer, or tablet. If you're looking for support, sign up today at BetterHelp.com. Use the promo code SOLVINGHEALTHCARE to get 10% off sign-up fees. That's BetterHelp.com, promo code SOLVINGHEALTHCARE. COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadjo Karamante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Forecast Nation, we have a very special episode with someone that I feel like is a friend, even though we just met, but the people we had in common are very close and dear to our hearts. So I feel like we're connected in so many ways. But Christina Beauchamp, who is changing the way we approach wellness, the way we approach our workforce, she's changing the boogies, frankly. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much, Dr. K. It's wonderful to be here with you today. And I agree with you, even though we only met uh, a little while ago, I do feel like I know you because the two people that, that we've both connected with, boy, oh boy, there's there's a lot in common there. Absolutely. Change maker. Um, I think, Chris, maybe it'd be good to get a, just a bit of a sense of your background because you came to this coaching landscape from from areas, of, I mean, from teaching, which I, I, I mean, in some ways makes sense, but in a lot of ways is not necessarily intuitive. So, how did you, how did you become, how did you land in this, uh, in this, in this landscape? Yeah, thanks for asking. That's a great question. So, uh, I, I'm an educator by trade, Dr. K. I've been in, I've been in the education field for you know 22 years. Um, and I would say, you know, as like just like the healthcare sector, you know, education has really changed over recent years. And I started to notice a huge swing in the pendulum about 10 years ago when suddenly our jobs seemed a lot harder. You know, what we were so used to doing seems to have really changed. The needs that we were seeing in the classroom um, suddenly felt like they were exploding. And I felt like there was cracks in the system and cracks in the sense that the children, some of our most neediest and most vulnerable children seem to be falling through the cracks. And staff seemed to be crumbling. And that was what that was what really uh, tipped me off to something was happening. Something's happening in our work cultures. 
And I just got really curious about it because, um, you know, it sent me off in my own little tangent because I was, I too was having a difficult time. I, you know, I experienced my own aha moment that led me to think, well, if I'm feeling like this as a, you know, as a seasoned educator, there have got to be other people in other professions feeling the same way. So it got me curious as to wondering, well, what exactly, right? What exactly makes up a thriving workforce culture? And, and how do you get these high performing teams where people truly are feeling a sense of joy and a sense of pride and, and they're feeling that deep engagement within their work? Because I know that there was moments where I wasn't necessarily feeling um, you know, that joy. And I'm a very positive, energetic, enthusiastic person. And so I didn't, I didn't really like the way I was feeling. And I felt like I needed to dig into that a little bit more. Wow. So basically, it really parallels the education side with the healthcare side, where a lot of people just not finding that same fulfillment in their job, based on the, the fact that we're all doing more with less, right? Like we're all asked our demands are increasing despite the resources being there. And so when you when you navigate through these times and asking these tough questions, like what did you discover? Like what what was what was the aha for you? Mm, that's a great question. And and I will I, I am going to share something a little personal here because I think it helps to explain, you know, how I've gotten here and, and what my aha moment was. Um, in 2015, I experienced my own burnout. And I, I would say that was about the time when I really started noticing uh, the pendulum swinging in education. And it, it was a tough time for me. You know, uh, my, my maternal grandmother had just passed away. We were in the process of moving homes. I had a very challenging class. It was report card times, so, which is, you know, the, the busiest time in a teacher's year. And I just thought that if I continued to push through, right, that I would just be fine. But the more I pushed, uh, you know, the worse off I became. And I eventually, uh, I eventually crashed. And I remember my doctor saying to me, you know what, I think you're, you need to be off for a little bit. And I thought, no way, I, I don't need to be off. What I need to be is I need to be at work and, and helping the students that I, that I work with and, and doing my best. And it just didn't, it just didn't work out. So I ended up being off, unfortunately, for about four and a half months. And that was a huge eye-opening moment for me. But the one moment that really stood out to me, Dr. K, that made me realize that I that there was something wrong was my son had been invited to a birthday party. And this was shortly after I was off on leave. And it was dead winter. And the person that picked him up, our friend that picked him up, Steve, had, you know, had engaged him in and basically in a, in a fun activity once he had picked him up and Carter was trying to, you know, I was getting frustrated because I was trying to get him ready for this birthday party and getting him dressed up in a snowsuit. And he was just looking to connect with, with what I describe as fun mom. And all he was getting was drill sergeant mom. You know, it was, come on, Carter, get your snowsuit on. Let's go. Someone's waiting for you at the door. And I just couldn't, I couldn't relax. I couldn't just help my child get ready, you know, for, for this fun play adventure that he was heading off to. And I have to hand it to Steve, who picked Carter up. And once once he was ready, we had just had this this beautiful, massive snowfall. And he had encouraged Carter to jump from our step into the snowbank. You know, meanwhile, Steve's car was running. His daughter was in the back seat, you know, ready to go to this birthday party. But he was able to 
engage my own son, right, in a simple activity of joy. You know, Carter, he wanted Carter to basically do, a, you know, this spread eagle into the snow. And when he saw how much joy that was giving Carter, Carter just was, you know, laughing hysterically and thought it was the best thing since sliced, since sliced bread, you know. And so he encouraged Carter. Every time Carter got up, he said, Carter, do it again. And, you know, all I could think about Dr. K was that the time was ticking. Like, wait a minute. Why is he not getting in the car and going? Why is he not heading off to the birthday party? The car is going. His daughter's waiting. And all I could do was look at my watch and think, what's going on? How come he's not going? And yet Steve obviously knew enough that this was a moment of play, right? This was a beautiful moment that he was witnessing a child going through. And I couldn't engage in that moment because of my current frazzled state. And eventually, you know, this, this didn't last long, Dr. K. It was all of about five minutes, right? Of, but it was a pure moment of joy. You know, that five minutes was just so enthralling for my child. And when he finally did head off and get into that car, and I watched the car pull away, and the only thing I could do was close the door, and I sat down and I sobbed. I sobbed because it was that moment right then and there that I knew something wasn't right. And I couldn't understand why I wasn't able to engage in such a simple moment of connection and such a simple moment of joy, right? Watching my child. And I was so concerned about the time that I had lost the ability just to watch and to enjoy and to realize that Play is so important. And I don't think I realized right then and there what I know now. All I knew was that I had recognized that something wasn't right. And so from that moment, I began to figure out, okay, I'm not, I'm not okay. And I wonder why. And I began it, I began to connect the dots and I began to sort of figure out that in my working environment, I wasn't okay because I was lacking, you know, a sense of purpose. I was lacking connection. I was lacking play. And interestingly, I could, I was able to play, you know, do all these wonderful things with the students in my classroom. But when it came time to home time, I was no longer able to do that because I was so tapped out, mm. right? Dealing with all the, you know, the needs in the classroom and I couldn't, I couldn't do that very own thing for my own family. And so it propelled me into figuring out, okay, what's missing in our work cultures that's needed, that, we're, that is not, not super present right now. And I began, I began to connect the dots. And the dots became very obvious that high-performing teams embrace five pillars. They embrace core values. They embrace trust. They embrace connection, they embrace, um, and they embrace play, right? Being able to embrace the notion mm. of play because play is so vital to our, our work culture. Wow. Wow. And there's one more in there. There was four. What is it? Sorry, that's right. Uh, core values, trust, connection, empathy, and play. Right. right. And yes. no, thanks for sharing that story, Chris, because I know Many people can relate based on the many stories we've heard, mostly in the healthcare setting, but we know there's a lot of people that have had trouble finding their way again in terms of 
all the things, purpose, joy in, in their jobs, in life in general. And at a personal level, I must say, we, we, we met at that event earlier when you mentioned the whole play aspect, you realize how much we were missing that, or at least at a personal level, that we were missing that, to, whether that is at work or whether that was at home. And so many of the fond memories that come from your team or your family from that perspective, when you play, those so many memories come are developed and, and are, are deep, deeply set from that, from having a, a playful environment. And, and it just made so much sense when you were, were telling me that this is something that you are really focusing on when you, you talk to these organizations and to try and, and build a more, you know, what's the word more functional, more uh, res- resilient group. You, you have to have that element to play. You absolutely do. And I think, you know, I think the word play, you know, for some people is still, you know, they, it, it's almost like people get their back up, right? Because they don't, they don't understand that the term. And I think the more, the more we can get out there that play doesn't just mean, yes, you're, you're taking a break and you're going to skip rope or whatnot. You know, it's, it's, a, it really is about, you know, infusing creativity into your daily work so that um, you're left feeling, you know, more creative because research is showing that, you know, play does in fact help with productivity, creativity, and innovation, Mm -hmm. right? And it's when we can, you know, infuse those daily moments of play into our work that we actually are really productive. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this archaic belief that, oh, well, we can, you know, you can only play once your work is done. I think that has to shift, right? This whole mindset has to shift because I, when people have the opportunity for those, for those small moments of play or those, uh, the joyful moments throughout the day, they actually come back to their desk or to wherever they're working, you know, with a greater sense of accomplishment because it's, you know, it's just helped to sort of liven their day up a little mm. bit. And so we have to help society understand that it's an archaic belief to think that we can just work all day without, you know, without, without that joyful sort of attitude. Because I do think that's the trend, right? Like people believe that, you fill in as much time as you can with work during during those hours. Be as productive and efficient as possible. And what's even worse is nowadays people are bringing work home. The, with all the Zoom culture, we, there's no true wind down period. So this is, in my opinion, more important than ever. So how do organizations approach this and what does it look like? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. So I think, you know, one of the modules that I, that I do Dr. K on my, you know, I have a module called hands-on integration, which is, which really delves into the, the relationship between connection, empathy, and play. Right. And when we understand what connection really means and how empathy really relates to the ability to play, then we get into, into some real magic. But what I like to do is actually, I like to take team members through an exercise. And this is based on the work of Dr. Stuart Brown, um, you know, who wrote the book Play and how, how it invigorates your soul, is we look at um, creating play histories, right? So I encourage and invite participants to 
create their own play history, which, which really does mean, you know, digging back in time and looking back even to your childhood to think, okay, what are some of the things as, you know, as a young kid, as a teenager, and even as a young adult, what did you like to do for fun? Because we'd actually be surprised, right, at how, you know, how those elements of what we like to do when we were younger actually transpire to, to our adult selves. And so we look at creating these play histories and then sharing those play histories among our team members because my feeling is, you know, what I view and value as play com- is, could be completely different than yours. And if as an organization, right, if a CEO or a leader is trying their best to, to you know, to bring people together through a team building event and let's just say is, is, is putting out a suggestion to sort of say, okay, well, let's go bowling for an afternoon or Let's go for, you know, for an afternoon social hour. You know, what one person might view, one person might view that as, you know, great, that sounds really fun. Whereas another person might be like, oh my gosh, that's, that's my living nightmare. You know, no, no way am I going to get caught dead in, in a bowling alley. And so when we come to appreciate how our, how our team defines and views play, right, then everybody can be empowered to um, to be involved in these team building exercises in terms of everybody everybody can can sort of have a say or even contribute meaningfully to what matters to them. But if we don't actually know you know our team members and what each other views as play, then how can we come together and you know and do activities or events that are meaningful if if we're totally coming at it from different angles. So the play history piece is really mm-hmm. neat. I've had a lot, I've had some real great success with that, um, you know, creating those neat play histories and then giving the chance for people to, you know, to explore those play histories. And then we actually create, um, you know, I give teams the opportunity to plan team events, right? I give them hypothetical situations and say, okay, if you had a $500 for a 200 for a, for a two hour event, or $1,000 for, you know, a five-hour event? What are some of the things that you can do? And automatically, right, that just creates a burst of creativity and people get, you know, get really jazzed about that opportunity to sort of be involved in the planning, right? It's giving people ownership um, to, you know, to be involved in some way. And I think that makes a difference for people when they can be involved and, you know, and incorporated in some way. Absolutely. And because it's as you said, like when we, in my own experience, when we're planning a retreat or some form of bonding events, we just pick something and we'll roll with it, not really getting too much feedback necessarily, whether that is bowling or or axe throwing <laughs> or synchronized swimming. Uh, I'm joking. We don't do anything. Well, that's the next event, folks, synchronized swimming. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a good point that you want to think about what will bring more play out of people, and 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 it, uh, you must, it must be interesting though. Also thinking about those play histories, like I, it couldn't help to think of myself when you were when you were, you brought that up, like little things that you we used to do as kids, and you know playing with cars and and creating races and making games out of just with either marbles or with a ball and like you could, you'd have all these creative games that we'd always play. We were so happy. And think about back growing up in, in Edmonton, just so happy being just out and free and thinking and using that creative side to, to, to play. But yeah, you must get such unique, like, do you feel like you get unique stories out of people? 
Oh, absolutely. I, I really do. And, you know, I mean, I've got a, I've got several examples to share, but even even an example that I can give you, Dr. K, with, with my own um, team, you know, at school. And I remember back, this is about four or five years ago, and I remember when, you know, it, again, it was report card season and a few of us were really drained and it was, it was you know, mid-June, sweltering hot day. And I, I would say that, you know, people were low just in the sense that the, the fatigue was setting in, you know, people were ready for, for summer holidays. And, but, you know, we were just in the, in the throes of report card season, so still another, you know, X amount of hours to write these silly things and you know, a few of us said, okay, we've, we've got to do something to feel re-energized because the thought of going back into the classroom, you know, for that afternoon was daunting. And, you know, teachers are, teachers are creative, are creative souls. So we were in the staff room and a few of us looked around and thought, okay, well, what are we going to do? And lo and behold, in the cupboards in, in the staff room, right, we located um, a bunch of potato sack bags and Halloween costumes. And so we thought, okay, what are we going to do? And we sort of looked outside the window and we thought, you know what, let's go out into the field and let's race one another in these potato sack bags. So some of us dressed up and, and, you know, put these potato sack bags on and some of us dressed up in these Halloween costumes. Okay. So I want you to visualize, you know, teachers mid June, right? A day like today, sweltering hot, dressed up in these costumes. And we couldn't wait to get out there and just have some fun, right? And so it, it was really visible that through the, through the windows in the staff room and through the yard, we had students coming to watch. And we had our own colleagues watching through the window as teams of us hopped around wildly in these costumes, literally pushing and shoving each other to get to the finish line. <laughs> and we finished these races you know, laughing hysterically, our stomachs were hurting, right? Because we had just had so much fun. But you know, this took all of 10 minutes, right? It wasn't like we had to a whole afternoon of it. It was a a pure 10 minutes of pure joy, where we laughed together. uh, We engaged in play, we empathized with one another in terms of people were cranky and tired. And yet after that few minutes of play, right, we were able to retreat to our classrooms again, feeling like we could tackle the challenges of the afternoon. So not only did it invigorate us, but it allowed us to give us to give our students the, the best of us, right? Because that's what the children deserve. The children deserved their teachers at their best. And that 10 minutes of a break where we were able to laugh and have fun allowed us to go back into the classroom feeling re-energized, feeling like we could give again to the kids, right? And that's, I think that's what I'm trying to get across, Dr. K, is that in order for people to get the best out of us, you know, as, as workers, we need to remember that we, ha- that we owe it to ourselves to allow ourselves and give ourselves the permission to play, right? And so that's what we did that day. We, we gave ourselves the permission to transform our working environment, right, from somewhere that where you where we where we were expecting ourselves to give 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 and all of a sudden we just said just let's have fun for a few minutes and it allowed ourselves to give back to our students in a more meaningful way because we showed up in, into the classroom as our best self oh man and so that was a really transformative moment for me as well oh man, totally think about uh think about how many lessons are there you 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 
show the the kids you're human. Mm-hmm. You show them that, yeah, Mrs. X, Y, or Z can play and sh- can show a human side. You connect with your group, the kids, your your colleagues. You feel rejuvenated when coming back in the classroom to when you do got to 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 put some work together. Like I, I just think there's so much there's so much legs to incorporating more play into into the workspace, and I just look at my my colleagues too in the ICU or in palliative care. We we part of what we do, whether it's intentional or not, is we try and play. We try and laugh. Even mm-hmm. sometimes, I think people would find the humor sometimes a little dark, but. It's just so needed when it comes to dealing with these high stakes scenarios, these highly stressful circumstances. It's so needed to be able to to play and to laugh and to connect. So I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, Chris, uh, in the in the value and and one one of the things that came to mind as you're telling the story is, you know, when you have your retreats or the, the one-off. Yeah. We could make sure to make ensure that the event is going to be glorious and, and, and incorporate some play and gets the input of others. But how, how do you make it part of culture? How do you make it part of the every day when it comes to an organization or a group? That's a great question too. So this is where I feel the education piece has to come in first. Dr. K, right? Because I think I think first and foremost, people have to understand why play is so important. And so that's part of what I do too in the workshops that I deliver. You know, I've, del- I've, I've created them from an education lens, right? Knowing that when people buy into the why, when people understand the why, they buy in more, right? And I think it's not enough just to put these events out there and say, hey, folks, we're, we're doing these. People have to understand why we're doing them. And so to me, that's the first step, right, is to help organizations and to help teams understand why this quality of a high performance of of teams is so important, right? Because it does form the basis of, it's one of the pillars needed for high performing teams. After that, right, I think it's about, you know, slowly helping people to appreciate um, and, and modeling how we can play, right, through those, through very simple avenues. Right. It could be, you know, understanding our play histories. Again, that's part of the education piece is teaching people, okay, how can play show up for us at work? Right. And there are, you know, there are eight different play personalities that um, are really helpful for people to understand. Right. Mm -hmm. A couple of them are one of them is, you know, the explorer. So people that like to explore environments and their surroundings. Um, there's the, the collector, people who who enjoy collecting things for the purpose of pure enjoyment. Um, there's the joker, right? People who who enjoy uh, joking and you know sharing sharing funny uh, testimonials or jokes. Um, so there's all these there's there's these eight different play personalities. And when people understand how play can show up, that's when people are a little bit more um, willing to be vulnerable, right? To blit to bring their playful selves to work. But I also think that has to be modeled, right? Modeled from top down and almost. You know, playful moments and experiences have to be celebrated, just like failure has to be celebrated sometimes. I mean, I know it's harder in your field because, you know, failure, uh, you know, failure is hard when you're when you're an ICU doc. But 
Um, I, I think even reframing that, um, you know, reframing the whole concept of failure and maybe turning it into a bit of a more playful approach, you know. I, I always use, um, you know, I use an acronym for the word fail. And I talk about failure as our first attempts in learning. Mm. And so we often celebrate those failures and, and, you know, have a bit of a, have, have a bit of a celebration with those and turn those into a playful moments because those moments are how we grow, right? Not always necessarily our successes. It's the, it's the moments that are hard that where we have to pick ourselves up again off the floor and figure out, okay, how can we reframe this? And we can often reframe it with a, with a more playful attitude. It's so refreshing to hear, Chris. It really is. When you add that ability to, to, to not be so negative, to be mm-hmm. more playful and, and a most, more of a growth mindset, you know what I mean? Like th- This is, to me, so important. I mean, if I'm being honest, we got a bit of a delicate... I don't know if it's politically correct to say. I don't care. We're a bit of a delicate generations coming, or I think they've been coddled quite a bit. And oh boy, yep. And this is almost a, a great way of providing a bit of encouragement to that younger generation and not being not coming across too hard on them, but really just that message of failure is is okay and is how we learn but also bringing it up in a playful manner and bringing it up in, 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 in that in that light, mm-hmm. I think it would be really valuable. I, I'm curious, as I'm saying it, I'm, I'm wondering how to do that. Like, how do you bring a playful attitude when when people are down as they, they quote-unquote, failed? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we see that? Yeah, and that's a good question too. And I feel like, and I feel like that's where I, you know my skills as an educator. That's where they kick in, Doctor K, because I feel like, you know, children are our biggest teachers, right? And you know, I feel like as adults, we whether we like to believe it or not, we mess up all the time. And children are so compassionate, and they are so forgiving. Um, they're forgiving to us, but they're not necessarily as forgiving to themselves, right? Which is very interesting. And so I think, you know, helping, they help teach us, right, what, how we can reframe this and how we can go about um, learning to be a little bit more gentle on ourselves and those that we work with. And so I think, you know, in all of our conversations and in all of our, um, what's the word I'm looking for, in all of our interactions with one another, I think, again, it's about modeling, right? When, when we mess up in our work environments is almost being vulnerable, you know, that I think vulnerability here is key, but you can't be vulnerable unless you have those cultures where psychological safety exists, Mm. right? Where people are able to say, I messed up, I screwed up. Let me circle back and try this again. And so this is why, you know, all of the pillars that I, that I address in the workshop culminate in play. Um, And that's the last pillar I do address is because without the cultures of trust and vulnerability and psychological safety, it's really hard to get to that, to be able to address that in a playful approach. Mm. And that's why I really feel like we sometimes have to slow down before we speed up. And so before we can necessarily address the importance of play, I really feel like we have to tackle those more serious topics first in terms of how do we create, you know, cultures where 
of trust, cultures of psychological safety, cultures where people feel okay to say, whoa, I'm not okay. Because once that exists, I think that people will feel a greater sense of ease being playful Mm. because that trust exists, right? And so that's why I tend to introduce it into my programs at the last little bit, um, whereas I do try to infuse small moments of play initially, but I'm, it's, it's a more gentle approach. Whereas when I'm finally feeling like the team is really connected, uh, because we have addressed the topics of trust and vulnerability and courage and, you know, all the tougher ones, then it's almost like they're ready to, to really understand that play is what pulls the whole piece together. Mm. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot because, Trust is a foundation. I mean, you mentioned a few things, but yeah, I really think trust is that is the foundation, like that psychological safety. I was actually going to recently, maybe by the time this comes out, a, a social media post about this because I've seen directly in in the it's in the medical setting where people don't feel like they have that psychological safety to even bring up ideas in the acute setting, like resuscitating somebody when they life or death decisions and they don't feel comfortable opening up. And as a healthcare organization, this is one of my biggest fears is that people don't feel like they, they can speak their mind and be open. And I can't count how many times in my career where, whether it was a medical student, resident, respiratory therapist, nurse, they pipe in an idea that completely changes the course for a patient. Do you know what I mean? Like this is where you, you, you want that. It's, it's vital that your, your organization, your group has that psychological safety that people can be open. And yes, this is a little bit different. I'm saying than, than bringing up uh play, but it comes from that pillar. It comes from that foundation of being able to have, trust where you can be open and vulnerable and speak your mind. And, and, and and, uh, as you've mentioned at the end stages of of your workshop, being able to play. Well, that's just it. And I, and I'm sorry too, that I brought that up. I felt like I had to backtrack there a little bit because I feel like you're, you're absolutely right without, you know, without that foundation. And I think that's what we also have to help um, you know, to educate people is without that foundation of a trusting and a psychologically safe place, people will be very hesitant to bring up ideas, you know, talk about mistakes and failures. And so when that environment is present, right, when people do feel that sense of trust, it's amazing how other things can trickle, you know, other pillars can trickle and fall into place in, in terms of that's really when people are, are able to be, to bring a, a bit more of a lighthearted approach to their job. And so, you know, it, to me, it all ties in Dr. K in the sense that, you know, these pillars are all having to work in tandem in order for people to truly, you know, live into their playful selves. Um, and it's, it's a bit of a journey in terms of helping organizations to get there. But I do feel like, you know, I do feel like we're making movement in terms of, you know, appreciating and, you know, the, the importance of play. I do feel like there's more and more people that are beginning to talk about this. I feel like the pandemic has given people a real opportunity for a pause, right? And to figure out what's missing 
And I think the pandemic in many regards, right, uh, <laughs> propelled people into, into crazy working hours, long hours. Um, there was never really an off button. And I think what people are realizing now is, oh my gosh, like, yes, something's missing from life, right? And people are, are, people are now almost, I mean, you look at networking events now, how, you know, how people are just coming out in droves. Why? Well, it's because they, they've missed this, I, this, this opportunity to connect. They've missed this opportunity to get out and have fun and play. And so just if, even if we take that, um, you know, if we take those examples and, and sort of scrutinize and ask ourselves, you know, what emotion are we seeing as, as people are coming out to these events again, right? I think we can all empathize with the emotion of excitement again, you know, renewal, revival. And if we, if we delve a little further and we look at how people are interacting in groups, people are totally wanting to connect and, you know, and have fun. And that's an element of play. Mm. So people are leaving, right? When people leave networking events, take for example, or people leave moments where they've, you know, events where they've had a lot of fun. If you ask people, well, how do you feel right now? Right? A lot of people are going to say to you, I just feel a sense of being alive again. I feel like I feel rejuvenated. I feel, you know, I want to go and replicate this again. Well, we, we need to listen to those statements, right? We need to listen to what people are saying and then take that back right to our work environments and think, okay, that invigorated people, right? That gave people an opportunity to, to be like, yes, I'm ready to work again. I'm ready to, you know, to, to um, you know, to be productive again. Yeah. Let's take those moments that we're learning and apply them, right? The pandemic has given us, you know, and in, in, in Brene Brown's words, it's given us an opportunity to pause and to get things right. And I, I fear that if we don't use this opportunity wisely, you know, we're going to pass up on these two and a half years that have been so incredibly hard, but that, that have also taught us so much about a new and a better way of doing things and, and of moving society along, right? We're, I feel like we're at a stage now where it's no longer okay for so many people to be in this state of simply surviving. I, I really feel like we need to move society along to a place where people are more joyful, a place where people want to be more engaged, a place where people are truly thriving as opposed to just surviving. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a sad state of affairs, but I think that's how so many people are feeling and people deserve better. Society deserves better. Absolutely. I, I, I think I was telling you this too, like even in our own house, the cameraman tanks, my wife and I were sitting down one night and we're saying to ourselves, we need more joy in this house. We need more play in this house. What happened? You know, what happens when we're, we're not doing as many dance parties? We're not doing beast mode. Those that have, that have been heard the show before, beast mode. So when you finish your food, you, you get to take off your shirt and flex your muscles. And, 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 <laughs> I love that. And I love mode. that. Why aren't we doing that as often? And part of me was wondering, is it, you know, the boys are a little bit older. Maybe we're just a bit out of that. But I, actually, I think the last two and a half years or whatever it's been sapped some some of our souls away from from us honestly like we just were in that state and we were in that non uh, that unnatural 
environment where we could not leave our homes and we were on constant threat. Is there another lockdown? Are the schools going to close again? Mm-hmm. And that amount of energy that had to be, unfortunately, directed into that, those threats, I think just took away from that creative side of, of or leaning in towards what we know we need, which was joy, play. And I know it's part of our, my wife and I would call it the AGM, <laughs> part of the, uh, the the plan for the upcoming years is infusing more joy into our, our household but I, I, and, and play into our household. And I, I think, Chris, this is why I instantaneously, when, when you were telling me about your story and, and your workshop, I was just hooked. I was hanging on to every word. I'm like, yes, you, 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 you're, you're hitting it. You're, you're nailing it. And it's not, it's not intuitive. This, I think that's the thing. It's not intuitive that we, this is what we were lacking. Maybe because it was a, it's kind of like the frog in a, a kettle. Uh, I, I don't know what's, what's the expression in a boiling ocean, whatever the expression is. Yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you you just this is it. Like we really need to, we really need to tap into to play. And you know, it's it's interesting that you say the word intuitive because. I have to say, I don't think it would have been intuitive for me too had I not experienced my own challenges, you know, years ago. And I don't think it, it took me a while to put my finger on what was missing, right? But now I, now I know my triggers and I, I think I'm now more able to, you know, when I get into my, at my, my ruts where I'm, you know, I'm working a lot, I, I, I too have to remind myself, okay. It's time to stop. How, how am I going to infuse a little bit of play, you know, into my work or into into our family life? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and 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 lie to and pretend that you know we've got it all figured out. I mean, there are moments in this house too, Doctor K, where it's like, oh my gosh, okay, what's 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 missing here? What what are we having to do again to you know to re-energize ourselves? Because you know, both my husband and I are in you know. High power jobs that require a lot of time, and my kids are high performance athletes, so it's it's go 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 all the time, and we have to stop and pause sometimes and remember that we have to infuse small moments of of play and lightheartedness into our own family because we you know it's very easy to get caught into that cycle right where mm. it's it's we're on rote it's like you know rinse and repeat, and that cycle of rinse and repeat sometimes you know needs to be broken with some moments of play in order to, you know, in order to just be healthy again. And Amen. I think that's the biggest takeaway is that when we, when we are living a life where we incorporate this, you know, notion of play, I think we are, are a healthier version of ourselves. And I think that's a really key message. And so it wasn't intuitive for me either, but I'm really grateful that I had that moment because I don't know if I'd be today where I am had I not had that moment. And so I'm very grateful that I had that complete stop moment that allowed me to really connect the dots and figure out, okay, what am I going to do in order to feel better personally and professionally? Mm. Yeah. No, I love it, Chris. I love it. Uh, before I forget, I got to give some love to your, your eldest there who got drafted. 
Yeah. You know I'm saying in the OHL, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, by the Guelph Storm. That's yeah, pretty exciting for him and us. Yeah, right side, right-handed defenseman. Did I get that right? Right-handed defenseman. Yeah, you got yeah. it. And these future Kilt McCarr folks, you know, I mean, <laughs> offensive defenseman. Be ready. Be ready. But uh, Chris, this was a lot of fun and tons of valuable information. How do people learn more about your workshop and you in general? Oh, thank you for asking. So connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all the social media platforms I'm on there. Um, I've got a YouTube channel. Um, So my website is www.comgroundconsulting.com. Sign up. I've got some MailChimp newsletters that go out there as well, two two a month with some practical tips and strategies. And if you're interested in in a discovery call, I'd love for, I'd love to, to, um, connect with people and learn more. I'm always interested in learning about the challenges that workplaces are having. Perfect. And we'll put the links in the show notes, obviously. Chris, you are a gem. You are a light. Ah, thanks, Dr. K. I feel the same about you. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, have an awesome day. You too. All right, Quadcast, that was freaking awesome. So awesome. If you enjoyed that, please Leave us any comments at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Leave a five-star rating. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, at Quadcast. Jump on our newsletter. Jump on our community at quadcast.substack.com. All things healthcare solutions all on one site. Y'all are going to love it. All right, people. I hope you're feeling a little bit more jump in your step after that episode. Thanks for listening. Talk real soon. Peace.